Hello, you're listening to the Bonded Books Podcast, where we discuss books, fight over book boyfriends, and the lack of filter is a family trait. If you're lucky, you might even hear one of our dogs barking in the background. Because hey, if we have to deal with them, then so do you. We hope to dazzle you with our discussion while not being hurtful to the authors we feature. Success not guaranteed. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Jeez. <laughs> oh, oh my God. It's I have literally been up for a, an hour and I'm so not ready for this, but I never am. So what's new? <laughs> Business as usual. Yeah. And then my next door neighbors workmen have started with the buzz saw. So I apologize to the listeners, if you hear that out there, because they just are not going to stop. Apparently, they've been doing this for seven weeks, and I'm ready to die. Yeah, that's always nice early on a Sunday morning. Oh, that's right. It's Sunday. See, I don't I don't know what's happening anymore since I retired. <laughs> See why I thought I had a doctor's appointment today? I'm all confused. Yeah, that's okay. Mm. It's all right. It happens to the best of us. And, and even me. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? Uh, Everything good? Everything's fine. I'm cramped in my little office. I have a bunch of random stuff in the office right now, so it's a disaster in here. But I'm making it work. I managed to get everything plugged in and set up to do the recording today. Great. That's step one. A good accomplishment. You do sound a little loud, though. Is your microphone close to you? Mm, No, but I'll move it back a little bit. All right. You know what I noticed is that I wear headphones while I do this. Mm-hmm. So I hear you through the headphones, but then the microphone picks up what I'm saying, but I don't hear myself through my own headphones. No, I don't I don't hear me either. I only hear me in the echoes of my mind. Yeah, that's all I hear too. And I don't know, maybe because I'm already like hard of hearing that it's like not... <laughs> Why are you hard of hearing? Because you're blocking out the sounds of your children calling you endlessly? Probably. And your husband? Yeah. So I feel like I'm just a really loud talker because it's like I always over talk so that I can hear myself. Oh, honey, you need to get that checked out. (laughs) So I can scream at my kids. I'm just naturally high because I'm screaming at people to shut the F up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Can I jump into the reading challenge? Yes, please do. We're ready for that? Okay. So if you follow us on Instagram, I posted our reading challenge um, yesterday, which was um, Saturday, the first of the year. And then I'll post more info in the Facebook group, um, which you could always get to using the link in our bio, in our Instagram account. But we're doing a 2022 reading challenge and there's 12 boxes. Um, Try to check a box whenever you can. 
you know, do all 12 in one month. If you're like really feeling you want to get it done, do one a month. If you want to just take all year, each box is just a little different, something a little fun. You pick a book that you think satisfies the requirement of the box. And that can be anything that you that you think is good enough. I'm not going to like sit here and police the book that you picked. <laughs> you're not? Oh, gosh. Well, I'm not going to read I'm all the kidding. books that these yeah, people I'm are. <laughs> okay. And you actually had me there. <laughs> wow. Don't you know me by now? Yeah. So there's some on there. I'll put like a little thing in the Facebook group as like examples for each box. But things like uh, like the first box is Bite Me. That could be like a vampire book. That could be any book that has biting in it. There, of course, I had to put one in there for best growl because we know I love shifters. Yes. Should have done best purr because mm, the purr is what yeah. really gets me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then some are a little less obvious, like what's in the box. That for me, I was thinking, um, you know, like Ice Planet Barbarians. They have a little special packaging. Oh, yeah. It's like a play on the Saturday Night Live skit, Dick in a Box. <laughs> um, book Talk Made Me Do It. Um, that's TikTok for books, if somebody doesn't know what Book Talk is. And just a bunch of other ones that are kind of fun. So, yeah, I hope that um, you guys give it a go. And if you let us know um, the 12 books that you used to complete the reading challenge, we'll read... Um, either your name off or like your Instagram handle off on a future episode of the podcast as a reward for completing the challenge. Yay, you. Yay. Good job reading. Good job reading. <laughs> yeah. Obviously huge readers. Oh my God. Yes. So um, we encourage you all to read whatever you want, whenever you want. But if you read something that satisfies a box, you know, you might surprise yourself that you actually complete all 12. I think I have said this before, but it's worth repeating that I'm probably the only mother in the universe that tells their kid, you need to put that book down and get up and walk around a little bit and go do something else. <laughs> I do need to walk around. I do need to exercise more. It is January 2nd at this point. And like everyone else... I don't really have the New Year's goal resolution, I should say, of like overhaul my diet and lose 100 pounds. And do just at this point, I would settle for anything. I just need to start taking little walks around the block or something because I've like been so derailed from the last two years with everything that's happening with COVID. Yeah. Oh, I don't feel like we're going to get back to normal anytime soon, but I still, I just need to do something. Well, I do too. So I realized the other day that I'm starting to get cleavage for the first <laughs> time in my life. Okay. And the only reason I am is because I'm putting on so much weight and I'd rather have my small boobs and my small ass. So I'm going to make you start walking with me like I've been bugging you since I moved down here. So challenge accepted. Yeah, we definitely should. Okay, we'll start that maybe tomorrow. Oh, geez. Okay. <laughs> well, it's kind of it's hard for me to leave the house when I'm having work done at my house. I can't leave. No, I hear you. Yeah, I can't yeah, leave you... these people in my house. No, you cannot leave construction workers <clears throat> alone in your house. That's definitely do not recommend that. Oh, are you ready to dive in? I am more than ready. So we are going to talk. I picked this book. So I'll throw myself under the bus to begin with if people don't like it or whatever. But it's a book called A Viper. It is book one in the Naga Brides book series. And the 
author of the book is Naomi Lucas. And the little blurb says, Viper is the first book in a series of bride hunting aliens. They are described as having the charm of a snake and the wiles of a devil. These males will do anything, and I mean anything for their females. So My favorite kind of uh, yeah, mate. Mine too. <laughs> and it says, it starts from uh, the male's point of view, the alien's point of view, and it says, long have we been alone. They're able to see females, but they are separated by a wall and weapons. They're human females, and the person's thoughts that are in the blurb are saying that there is a woman there with red hair and he wants her. He is willing to fight to the death for her because he is mine, he says. They apparently make an agreement with a human man that supposed to benefit both of them. Then it switches to the woman's point of view. It's funny because in this book, the aliens, quote unquote aliens, are actually the inhabitants of Earth now. And so the humans keep referring to the Nagas, the half snake half men things as aliens even though the humans are now the aliens because they're the ones that are coming to earth from their spaceship that kind of made me giggle a little bit right <laughs> and they the earth was again annihilated and uninha they thought uninhabitable for hundreds of years or thousands of years so they have finally deemed that the earth is okay to go check out again so that's why these humans are back there the humans return to earth on a spaceship in search of technology because the humans who have been living on these spaceships, other planets, what have you, are in a fight with these other aliens called the Kets, and they're losing the fight. So this is like a desperate attempt for them to try to turn the tides in this war they have with these aliens called the Kets. So then it switches to a woman's point of view and she says, my leader wants that technology. He'll do anything to get it. Even trade me to those who have it. She describes these aliens as serpent men, nagas, half men, half snake, beast aliens that rule the land. She refers to them as a mis misbegotten monsters warped by something we don't yet understand. But she's livid because, of course, the men are like, oh, the only way we can get this technology is these people need women. So we're going to throw the women to these beasts and they don't know what they're going to do to these women. Are they going to rape them? Are they going to eat them? Are they experimenting on them? They don't care. They're like women are expendable. So she is livid because she's a communication specialist and, you know, pretty high ranking. And she's thinking to herself, I refuse to be a man's broodmare. And he's this guy that's staring at her is going to have to um, catch her first because they're going to have a hunt. They're going to have these women released. Then the men are, or the aliens are going to have a hunt for the women and whoever catches them becomes their mate. And there are 10 of these Naga aliens that are competing for the women. Should we talk about what they are? Uh, what the Nagas are? 10 that are competing. Yeah, go ahead. Well, or I can talk about it. Uh, go ahead. I'm not going to be able to say half these names. Okay, I'm not going to be able to say these names either. But so each Naga 
half snake, half man, what have you, alien, is basically a different type of snake. The main character on this book, his name is Vrushka, and he's a viper. And then we only really see a couple other Nagas in this book, but the author does have something right before chapter one in the book where she lists the names of each Naga and the type of snake there are, which I kind of liked because... Yes, I did too. The names are really out there. I mean, obviously they're supposed to be aliens, so their names are out there, but you will recognize the snakes from snakes we have here on Earth. So Vrushka is a viper. At some point, I think he refers to himself as a pit viper. Yes, he does. Um, we have, the other one we see a lot is Zaku. He's a king cobra. Um, we see Vagan. He's a blue coral. And then we see a couple other ones in this book. Asot is a boom slang. And Zahalix is a death adder. And then there's a few other ones that are mentioned in this list of names at the beginning of the book, but I don't think we ever actually see them. Right. And each one is from a different clan. And they always, they usually fight among the clans, but they're calling a truce between themselves so they can negotiate a pact with the humans. But once they get the humans, the truce is off. They are competing for the females and the 10 uh, snake aliens that are there are the strongest of their kind and the deadliest from uh, their each of their clans. So because there's like three women and 10 of them, the Naga men come to the agreement that they will hunt them and whoever catches it, you know, find like a finder's keeper kind of thing. So they're the ones that came up with the whole like run and we'll catch you right. scenario, which is as terrifying as it sounds. Yeah, it is. And uh, I love this part of the romance books, uh, the alien romance books, is that they say that once they get them, they, they're going to covet them, make them, and make them queens to the land that they rule, as it should be. And I love that quote. The aliens, all they know is that the humans are different from them, um, but they've never seen a living one before. There's abandoned human machinery all over the planet from before the earth was ruined but that was so long ago that all of that stuff is overgrown with vines so it's very old and there's a spaceship that landed they're observing these people as the spaceship lands and they're building a wall and it used to be a military facility and they're watching the people that are stepping out of the ship and Varusha notices a woman with red hair as she comes out of the ship and is immediately captivated by her. He's a red snake and he thinks that her red hair denotes her as his. Yeah, he says something like, she's wearing my color. Yeah. So, uh, it, 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 so he's like even more attracted to her than, it's kind of cute. How it's very just, cute. He's so basic, like, oh, she's got the same color as me. She's obviously my mate. Right. And then uh, Zuka is a king cobra. He's not a literal king, but he's a king cobra. And he's kind of the leader of this group of aliens. And when they realized that they had females among them, he approached the men of the crew and stated that they wanted to meet them and court the women and eventually mate them. The men took out their weapons and refused his request. Zuka went back and he was enraged that they denied them the opportunity to court these women. And the crew proceeds to tell them that the planet is their planet and as long as these aliens abide by their rules they won't kill them and the nagas actually think to themselves that's kind of funny because they could easily annihilate them but they have females and for that reason they are gonna let them live it is pretty funny because they're just like well 
they don't actually feel threatened by the humans at all. But they're so like desperate at this point to get the females mm -hmm. that they're just willing to do these like negotiations. And Varushka also describes from his point of view that as soon as he saw her, everything changed for him. And gone was the bloodlust and anger. Now there's only real lust. And Aww, I know <laughs> he's standing in the forest, hidden, staring at them. And the red haired woman all of a sudden sees him and they make eye contact. From then on, he tells himself, she is mine. Mm -hmm. I, he, and, and then he says, I thought this was great. I expected her to come to me then, but instead she turned away and ran back into the ship, leaving me lusty and angry. <laughs> How dare she? How dare she run away? We're supposed to be together. I think he says after seeing her, he starts giving off a different scent also. Yes. Yeah. Some new scent, which mm -hmm. will come back into play later. Also, the news of the females being on the planet is uh, starting to spread through the forest. And other Nagas are having similar thoughts and they're going to start showing up. And the alien population is diminishing they explain that somehow their biology has been altered and they feel like their minds are cloudy. The Nagas start to give off a strange scent, felt a change inside of themselves that they don't understand. So there's that part has to be explained. And since this is a series of books, they don't explain what's happening, but obviously something's happening to them. And once the Nagas started to experience this change, uh, some of them were afraid and they left hoping at some point that the change would be reversed. I think this book does a good job of answering some questions mm -hmm. and it kind of like wrapping up the romance for this couple, but then leaving just enough questions that you kind of want to keep reading it to know like what's really going on. Right. Yeah. Not... You know, sometimes the author doesn't answer enough questions and then you just get mad and you're like, well, I don't even want to continue. But on this one, mm -hmm. she, the author had a good balance. Yeah, I agree with you. I think she did too. I thought it was, it was a good read. Zuka is the spokesperson and he approaches them then to trade these human women for their technology. They think we're just going to give them a little bit of information in exchange for this woman the women and Varushka starts to leak venom from his fangs and he's obsessed with the redhead now. And yeah, he says, she's the same color as me. I never thought such a female existed besides his own sisters. And he goes, I think she has red hair because there is viper in her blood. Obviously. <laughs> I hate to see what he's going to do when her hair starts to turn gray, but okay. I mean, this is a perfect setup for there's going to be a little viper in her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. But there's not enough women. Um, so he's starting to size up the competition because he's got to get this woman and make her his. That Death Adler, what's his name? Zahalik? Zahalik? Zahalik is a Death Adler, but he's not there competing. And he thinks uh, he would rather kill us and work with us. He is the enemy to us all. He has no honor. That person or that alien is going to come back in the book so they kind of explain a little bit about him we learn that some of the naga men work a little bit better with each other they have like a little bit of a truce or they understand or respect each other a little more than the other naga men right and <laughs> one of the alien men named vagan uh, is freaking out because there's only three women and he's saying that's not enough. There's seven of us. How are we going to... There's only three brides. What are we going to do? One of them suggests that they fight each other 
uh, before the women get here. And they, they agree that that's not a good way to go. And then one of them suggests that the women get to choose who they want to mate with. And Verusha states that if my female chooses another over me, I will kill him and take her. He realizes he is not honorable after all. I highlighted that too. Oh, that was yeah. funny. Yeah, He's that just was so funny. obsessed with her. Yeah, and them being present in their environment now has just created a frenzy among them. And then this is kind of weird. So uh, they decide they're going to do a hunt. And it says all their dicks have filled up, causing pressure, bringing them pain. Verusha says, when I first saw my human, my shaft flooded with seed, seed that had been dormant for years. And I had to milk my shaft nightly to relieve the pressure. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of talk of seed. Oh, dear God. In this book. So if that like skeeves you out, you probably won't like this book. But it kind of fits with like how alien and different these Naga men are. Oh yeah, I thought it was a really good description. So the the aliens agree that the most important thing is that the women don't come to any harm. uh, Because there's wild animals on the planet. And there's especially these packs of pigs that go around that you'll hear about later. Um, But they don't want any of these animals getting the chance to kill any of the women. And so they decide that once the um, human men hand the women over, the women are going to start running. We're going to follow them and hunt them down. Whoever catches the females first wins nesting rights to them. The author mentioned something that I think is important. And it's a little bit of tidbit of information that, like you had said earlier, is not really explained, but I'm sure will be explained later. Uh, Verusha has a spear and it's not just a a spear when he lifts it up it releases a bolt of electricity and it's the first indication that there's something more with that than just a tool to hunt with but he believes that he has victory on his side because he's the only one that has this spear that he got from his dad the other thing he it says is that they then pull out their well-hung and hard members from their scales Tails coil and thump the ground for a frenzied moment. Excitement and real camaraderie returns to us. Okay. So can we talk about this for a minute before we move on? Yeah, Yeah, I think we must. (laughs) So I just picture, okay. So their like upper half of their body is like, um, they have abs like human men. Uh, They have arms like human men. They have like faces like human men. Which like snake like features. I I picture like from the belly button down almost. It's like just tail. Oh, so because they don't have legs, it's just yeah. They never mentioned that. I didn't even think. I assumed they had legs, but you're right. Oh my god. Okay. No, they don't have legs. So it's (gasps) like upper half is men, and then the lower half is just tail. Because at one point, uh, so the female main character, her name is Gemma. Mm -hmm. She says that Vrushka is the tallest of the three Nagas standing there because his tail lifts him high off the ground, which I thought was a little creepy. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Okay, yeah. But since they're, like, smooth like Ken dolls, in order (laughs) to, like, have this thing come out, Mm -hmm. their their scales, like, retract so that their member can come out. I almost picture like zippers on pants like unhooking is kind of creepy well i thought of a pocket but what do i know but all i know 
is that this book made my head spin with inappropriate thoughts of how can I find out if real snakes have dicks? And if so, where are they? I think, I mean, maybe this is how snakes really are, where it's like hidden in this like recessed pocket thing. And in order to access it, the pocket like opens and it, yeah. Well, it's got to because you can't pick up a snake and look at, at the lower part of it and go yeah it's a boy (laughs) you know so they've got to so yeah so they're finally they see these women being led out of the ship and there's Gemma, and then there's another female that's fighting and screaming and and kicking ascot i'm not sure how he says his name he wants the redhead. Verusha starts to freak out. He slams mm-hmm. his spear into his side and he roars, uh, she is mine and they have to be pulled apart. I think the other snake just looks at her and he's so like, don't even look at my mate. Yeah, he's like <laughs> loses his shit. Uh, so they're they're dragging these poor women to them and Zuko says, give me the technology and they hand it to him and so they start approaching these poor women the other girl that's being taken with him her name is daisy and she's crying and screaming and both women are screaming fuck you at one of their crew members whose name is peter and it's they're telling him you're never going to get away with this and he's an absolute complete asshole and tells her tells Gemma, you're going to be the one that's fucking an alien snake not me Oh, and, it was so bad. Yeah. And then he says, the mighty Gemma Hurst fallen from grace. And that central command does not want to wait. They're not waiting for a solution. They need this technology now or they're going to lose the war that they're involved in. I liked Gemma. She's a commu- chief communications officer. And she so the humans have like a caste system. And so she's from a higher caste, I guess. So she has better privileges. And Daisy is just a petty officer. Mm -hmm. And so because Daisy is like freaking out, she's hysterical. She's crying. uh, Gemma kind of puts on this like uh, front of being like stoic and like, you know, she's trying to be strong for Daisy. Yeah. Because Daisy's already freaking out. So she thinks like, I don't want to freak out also because then that's just going to make Daisy freak out even more. She's kind of like a leader, I guess. Yeah, she, she is. And there is another one of their co-workers there and his name is Colin. And so she's appealing to him and saying, don't you feel bad? Because he can't even look at them. Uh, he can't look at their faces because he's so freaked out that they're doing this. And he's like, don't you feel bad for doing this to us? It could be, she, the, apparently the third woman is not coming. Her name is Shelby. She could be, and Gemma says she could be sitting there with us, but Shelby is Colin's girlfriend. And she, apparently she is pregnant. So she gets to stay on the ship. So there are actually only two of them to trade, not three. Yeah, the Naga men were supposed to have three women to compete over. And now they only have two, which... They're not happy about, but they want those two females so badly that they just kind of accept it. And because the technology they're giving over is like scraps and like useless anyways, they feel like they're getting the better end of the bargain because they're like, we'll just give you this crappy tech, which isn't really going to help you. And we'll Mm -hmm. get the females we really want. So it's also in this chapter that the for the first time they do a little blurb about the who they're fighting in this war, the cats. She describes them as a species of blob-like aliens that are highly intelligent, extremely adaptable, and fully capable of consuming all organic matter. 
they don't have any weapons that they need to fight these aliens. So that's why they need this technology so bad. She even says like they're blobs. So like if you uh, hit them or something, they just like reform. Right. It's right. kind of, and then I think they are using the humans as like cattle or something. So they're like eating the humans or doing something horrible, destructive with the humans. So they well, sound terrifying. Yeah, they do sound terrifying. And they go on to do a little more of an explanation about uh, how Earth was a dead zone. It was supposed to be avoided. And that there were some humans that ignored this law and visited Earth anyway. And most of them never returned. And the few that did return, they said morphed into something not human. So I that, think that's really important too. That, yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out. I underline that. And it says uh, this all happened before Gemma was born. And it says uh, the cats existed, a species called Lurkawathens. I know I mutilated that. They descended <laughs> to Earth and they made a, some kind of pact. So they explain a little bit what happened to Earth. They made a pact with mankind. And they, they were dubbed the Lurkers. And they helped them develop a, some kind of cosmic society. They introduced them to intergalactic travel. They cured their diseases, traded us resources. And the Lurkers set up their own port on Earth and were allowed to study the humans. But then the humans became their special pets. And... They wanted to keep the humans as pets. And then they ended up leaving 1,500 years ago. Relations with the lurkers soured when they realized that the humans couldn't be controlled. So they offered them some kind of a Trojan horse deal that they would restore the earth to its ancient glory by purifying the oceans, the forests, and the skies. And our government accepted this gift, not realizing that it meant their destruction. And so the lurker said, oh, yeah, we'll do all this for you. And then they unleashed a devastation into the environment and every single thing died. The humans that were out exploring space were the only humans that survived this event. It sounded terrifying. Yeah. And it was 1500 years ago when this event happened. Yes. Earth wasn't supposed to have life on it when they came back looking for this technology, but then they see these aliens and she sees this half human, half serpent male, and he's staring at her. And she is kind of fascinated by him though. And she calls or describes him as a jewel glistening beacon in the forest. And she's shocked to discover later that she was the only one that saw him at first because he was huge. I highlighted that too. And then another thing I highlighted, which I thought was kind of funny she says, he's beautiful, a deadly beauty meant for one thing, to lure idiotic prey like me. Mm, there you go. <laughs> Isn't that how all of us women are? We see a good looking man and we're just lured. Because mm -hmm. I know I am. She mentions the, the only other one she really describes. Well, she describes all of them. But the one she describes more in detail is the King Cobra. That he's yellow at, with dark brown and black stripes. And he has an enormous cowl. Mm -hmm. um, like a cobra does which yeah. sounds kind of creepy yeah doesn't it i guess they're being transported out to these aliens and even though the car that they're in is shielded Gemma can feel this alien staring at her and she doesn't understand how he can see her because of these shields and that's when he raises up on his tail her eyes trail down his body and she can tell he's strutting 
like he knows that she's looking at him. Peter grabs her and Daisy and drags him out of the car. He does a lot of the like puffing of his chest, yes, like a, like a real man would do. He's like, mm-hmm. oh, oh yeah, you like what you you like this tail. <laughs> All this tail yes. coiled around you. Oh, dear God. <laughs> Gemma has already been dreaming about this alien at, ever since she saw him. And she's terrified that he's going to end up being her mate. She decides that she needs to, she's hoping that she can run away and that none of the aliens catch her. So her and Daisy try to make a plan on how to escape once they start this elaborate thing. I don't know how they think this is ever going to work, but whatever. They think that they can sneak back to the ship and send a message to what they call the Dreadnought, which is, I guess, their command. And that they, Gemma doesn't think that they know what's going on. And that once they find out that they're trading these women, they're going to be, Peter's going to be in a lot of trouble and lose his rank and everything. She firmly blames their entire situation on Peter. And she's... A little naive in this but at the same time i would probably blame him too i don't understand how they thought that they would be able to get away from these like 10 snake men when they're on this planet they've never been to before i would probably just give up and just be like well just kill me now oh but they they give it their best effort they do and you're probably going to want to cut all of this out but this is i learned this in school i was probably in seventh grade when i saw this thing so it was, it explains so much to me when I read this kind of stuff. And it's, I think the movie that we saw was called Occurrence at Owl Creek something. And it's all about this soldier. It's during the Civil War. The soldier is captured. I think it's a soldier. They're going to hang him. And the guy in his head does this whole scenario So you think it's actually what's happening, that they start to hang him, the rope snaps, he lands in the creek, he's able to run away, he's able to avoid them. It's the whole thing that they showed us was, you know, this plan of how your mind tries to figure out how you're going to survive bad things that happen, I guess. And then at the end of the movie, you hear the trap door open or whatever, and the guy's actually hung. He, the rope never snapped. But in his mind, all of this stuff is happening and that's how he's going to get away. Ever since I saw that stupid movie and I was in seventh grade, when I read stuff like this, I'm like, oh, it's like that movie, The Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge or whatever, where they think <laughs> we're going to run and we're going to get away. And I'm thinking to myself, you, what, are you out of your mind? These things are going to hunt you down in a matter of seconds. I think it just goes to the power of hope. Yeah. And... I, I guess I'm just well. That's not ex- that, maybe I'm just not that hopeful. But oh, yeah, me either. Hope is a very powerful thing to get you through, and these girls have a lot of it because and they never give up. So did well, the until they kind of try to. Yeah, yes. yeah. I mean, that's exactly what that movie's about. The hope that this is all going to work out. So they drag the women out of the car, and the King Cobra looks at Daisy and just hisses, "You." He does this like creepy like yeah like he almost scolds her i don't is he scolding her or is he just recognizing her as he wants her i kind of like i think he's just recognizing her that he wants her but from her like i would take it as a scolding yeah because he just kind of like i mean obviously he's hissing at her because he's a snake snake. (laughs) 
<laughs> and that's when they realize the third female isn't there and they're pissed off and they're livid. They're told they can't have her. And the then they say, well, we're going to take our secrets to the grave then. And that Collins guy yells out, she's not for you. She's pregnant with my child and we're soon to be married. They say, we don't care. We still want her. And then the red male comes forward and says, well, the third female can remain with you. We want these two because he just wants Gemma. He doesn't give a crap about the third person. And that's when their eyes meet and she freezes and says, sharp erotic features fill my vision, thick arching brows and lean muscles covered in ridges and scales. He's beautiful, a deadly beauty. So they hand over the box and the skiff takes off and there are three really big scary men staring at Gemma and Daisy and Gemma's like stuttering, goes, what now? And they just look at her and go, we hunt. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's as terrifying as it sounds. And I think the very next chapter opens with Gemma just screaming at Daisy. Run! Yeah, yeah, they're running. <laughs> she can't stop thinking about that red male. She's terrified. And they're all standing there with their dicks out. And she's looking at one of the snake's dicks and says it's a bright orange cock, which she describes as too long to fit in any human female without terrible discomfort. And that's when she starts screaming to <laughs> Daisy, you need to run. Um... <laughs> And the, so they're trying to run through the forest because of this elaborate plan, how they're going to get away. And when she's screaming at Daisy to run, she realizes suddenly Daisy's gone. And then she hears her screaming off in the distance and realizes Daisy's been caught. And we're like, oh my God, Daisy. They, so they run together for quite a while. Mm -hmm. They're actually doing pretty good at first. Gemma, like... um helps Daisy kind of get up this little uh, cliff or this little like ledge thing. Mm -hmm. But it, she like, she describes it as she puts her, she like cups her hands and then Daisy puts her foot in her hand and she does that little boosting her up thing. Mm -hmm. She boosts her up and then Daisy like instantly disappears. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It's almost comical. You could just picture her like helping her up and then, then basically handing her to a Naga. We don't even know who at this point. And then the and she disappears. Yeah. And then the next part I absolutely love because Gemma is me because Gemma <laughs> decides she points a knife to her own chest. And this would be me. It's like, fuck this. I will throw myself off a cliff. I will put this knife through my chest. I am not going to be some snake mate. And she's trembling as she's gripping the knife and she's pressing the tip against her chest and her hands are shaking and she's whispering to herself, do it, do it. You can do it. And then all of a sudden something hits her hands and the knife goes flying and she hears the red male say, you're finally mine. And she says, <laughs> I'm not yours. I will never be yours. And he just looks at her and raises an eyebrow and says, Oh, but you are, you just don't know it. You just didn't, <laughs> didn't know it until you met me. Oh, he's like, oh, you sweet, innocent yeah, summer child. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let me explain some things to you. You are mine. And as they're in the middle of having this conversation, uh, she is suddenly yanked off the ground and she's flying through the air. The red male becomes a speck of dust on the forest floor um, as she's jerked from through the branches of the forest. And he screams out, Azat! He's screaming so loud that he's shaking the leaves on the trees. 
and he says, you will die. And the she's fighting this new snake alien that's taken her from uh, Barusha. And he's yelling at her to stop or you're going to fall. And it just makes her struggle harder, which would be me too. It's like, fine, let me fall to my death. I'm over this. She doesn't want her her choices taken away from her. And he pulls her forward and, and twists her so they're face to face. And she sees these bright, the bright green male with black eyes. And when these aliens talk, because they're snakes, a lot of their S's are, like he says, you are safe with me i won't hurt you and she says then let me go and he, he's like never and then she hears varushka screaming out his name and he's like quiet or he's gonna hear us so she bites him in the hand she starts to fall and a so i can't say his name that's okay i can't say it either as sote i don't have any idea okay so he loses his grip on her and she starts falling and he does yell out to varusha to catch her even though they're enemies and competing for these women females are incredibly important mm-hmm. and he ends up catching her and he says to the um the other guy leave now or you're gonna die she and tells him she almost died in your grasp you do not deserve a female and he the guy goes again with the s's she's a fighter and he says to him, well, all the, all females are until they're nested. I love that part. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Until they have a good fucking, they're, you know, they're going to have free will. So <laughs> so the guy says, Let's, let us battle and be done with it. He tells her, don't be afraid of me. He softens his demeanor. Again, Varusha yells at him, don't speak to her. And he, the other one suggests, let her decide. And Gemma's shocked that she could have a choice. She comes up with a plan. She's going to learn as much as she can. Here's another one of these fantasy plans. She's going to learn as much as she can, find the alien technology, steal it, and save Daisy. Uh, Don't forget that after she does all that, she wants to return to her mothership, the Dreadnought. Oh, you're right. Exactly. (laughs) The most important thing. She's got about a thousand things to do on her checklist. (laughs) Right, exactly. But sure, no problem. And then uh, they hear the other males coming towards them. And uh, Varusha says... you. Choose me like you know you should. But because she thinks the other one's easier to manipulate, she chooses him. And Varusha is livid and feels betrayed. And that comes up several times during the book. And he yells at her, he is who you want? And she goes, I want to go home. I don't want any of you. And then, so the other one says, well, then we're going to fight. And this is when the spear starts to come into play. And Varusha just takes the spear and swings it in an arch. The tip glows and sizzles and it cuts through the branches and he's able to take off carrying Gemma into the forest. She thinks at this point that she's like wrapped up in his arms and his intoxicating scent lulls her to sleep. So she falls asleep in his arms. Yeah, probably from her adrenaline crash. Yeah, right. And then she also thinks in her mind, here's another thing to add to the list, that... She couldn't get a good look at his spear, but she wants to. And she knows that when she escapes, because in her head she's going to, she's got to steal that spear and take it with her. Yeah, that's no ordinary walking stick. That's right. <laughs> and then the the next thing is we switch to Varusha's point of view. He's very happy because his female slumped against his chest as they're 
trying to get back to his den, but he's freaking out because Gemma's getting cut by branches as he's running with her and he doesn't want her to get hurt. And then he's livid also in his head um, because she, because Gemma was his, she, he thinks, and she chose another. Just thinking about it makes him growl. That'd be a good one for the reading challenge. That's right. <laughs> Um, and his bloodlust makes him want to kill the guy that stole her away from him. Um, he's looking at her and he's thinking how small she is. She doesn't have scales or fangs to defend herself. He's paranoid that he could have lost her. He vows he'll take care of her like a pet. Treat her like a female, a precious rarity. I will show her we're meant to be together. And then he says, I will fill her with my spill and mark her with my fangs. She will never look at another male again. She'll apologize for her choice with her tongue, I've decided. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I highlighted that too. Then he also <laughs> says, my jealousy vanishes entirely knowing how much she'll need to use it to be forgiven. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Then they hide in this abandoned car. I think it's like a building, like a little shack. It's a car. Is it a car? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and he sees this un this unused technology that's hidden all around him. Yeah, it says there's a dusty orb on the seat of the abandoned car. That's when we learn that there these orbs are connected, like all the technology is, and there's some kind of a relay that feeds power to the technology that remains on the planet. And he, he's never seen the relay because they each have their own little territory. And apparently the relay is in Zuka's territory, but he continues to collect these orbs that he's found and he has them in their, their den. And with these orbs, he's able to watch videos through them. And because they're solar powered, they can recharge and they still continue to work even after all this time. The technology that they have is pretty cool. Yeah, it and is. And each Naga kind of has their own little home base, which is their den, but also kind of connected to this old military slash human slash lurker who knows technology, which is very convenient. <laughs> yeah, and here's when we get another little bit of information that I think is important to tuck away in the back of our minds is that while he's watching these videos, he realizes he never has seen another Viper like himself. And that female Vipers like his mother were uncommon. She had a litter of him and his sisters. All Naga women back then who conceived a litter died in birth. The women either ran away because of what was changing on the planet or they died giving birth to their their children. The Naga females, a little over a hundred years ago, all of the Naga women decided to leave and they headed west. I don't even know where they are at this point. Maybe they're in America. What? Um, oh yeah, I forget the planet's Earth. <laughs> old, old America. <laughs> yeah, okay. So a little over a hundred years ago, all of the women left. And the men that followed them, like, never returned. And so uh, the assumption or whatever is that the women killed them. Because in order to save themselves, they had to get away from the men. Because having babies started to kill them. And they don't really explain why all of a sudden after, I'm assuming after all this time, obviously, because there were, like, he had a father and right. he was born. So kind of suddenly, the um, gestation started killing them there's a lot that i think is going to be explained in other books you know in the series but i think this book is basically setting up things so that you get a background story of what's going on yeah i'm not sure if each 
uh, Naga male is supposed to get a book, but there are two other books after this so far. This is when we first start seeing an interaction between Gemma and Varisha. It's very interesting, their dynamic, because she's telling him, I'm not going to be your plaything. She wants him to let her go. And then she realizes she needs, like, I guess, some reverse psychology there. And she says she doesn't want to escape. And he says, you're not going to fight me. And she's like, I didn't say that. And he doesn't understand her because he's he's going to offer her shelter and food and clothing and a place to nest. What more could you want? And he says, a home where the monsters of this world cannot reach you or our future brood. I will provide everything you need and protect you. And she thinks, monsters? And she starts crying even harder. If he thinks that something else on the planet is monsters, what the hell are those things? That's right. <laughs> Yeah, I would cry too. <laughs> and he he just lets her cry because he knows he, she needs to mourn her, the loss of what she had and get on with acceptance in his mind. She's just got to get on with accepting what's happening and she's not safe in the in the world that they're in. She doesn't belong here and he thinks she belongs in the sky among the stars where all hope and dreams thrive. So he's basically saying, there is no hope and dreams don't thrive here. It's just all about survival. And then he tries to comfort her by petting her with his tail. And he, <laughs> he's reassuring her by going, nothing will hurt you as long as you're with me. And I'm like, well, you're kind of creepy too. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And and she says to him, it's not that. It's She says, I had a job and ambition and those males you know, took it all away from her. Like she didn't matter. And she was some kind of bargaining chip. And I like this because he thinks to himself, if I see Peter again, I will stab him with my spear. She asks, are you going to rape me? And he's shocked that she would think such a thing. And he growls and said, and tells her, I will have you in every way, but I will not rape you. I will never do that. And she says, well, then you'll never have me. And he gets so angry and he yells at her, you deny us. You belong to me now. You ran and I caught you, my bride. Bearing yourself to me and giving yourself over to my protection is all that is left. He's uh, very in your face and like, he doesn't really understand. Obviously, he's not a human, but he doesn't really understand why does she just, why does she keep fighting it? Yeah, he's obviously not fighting it. He's like, this is awesome. I've really wanted a female. She's great. Yeah. But then the female he got is just yeah, a has, little spitfire. That's right. And he thinks to himself, she thinks her actions will not have consequences. And then he tries to explain her that mates rut. Ugh. And she's like, you're never going <laughs> to, I'm never going to fuck you. Humans don't have rates. And his agitation is so much that it can't be controlled. So he thinks he needs to get away from her for a little while because if he stays, he says, I will hurt her. I will bring the shelter down around us both and bury us within it. He's a pit viper, a dangerous foe, a red devil. You will come to realize your situation and the generosity I provide. I will let you fight it now because I do not think I can take you gently in my current state, but you will join <laughs> with me. He thinks she does not want me. Then she will have to watch me in my madness. This gets insane. It, it escalates very quickly. Yeah. And <laughs> it just goes to show how alien and different he is from a normal human male. He, even though they can get pretty crazy too. He thinks my kindness has limits, but he says to her, what's your name? I command for my place in the trees because he thinks if he can get her to respond to him, 
that's he's kind of demanding information from her and she's bending to his will by giving it to him and she does answer him she says Gemma and then he says to her and this is the part that gets crazy this is what you do to me uh with my spear gripped in my free hand the other cups my hefty member revealing it to her it is heavy and gorged <laughs> with seed and painful it's what she's done to me i suffer for her weeks of torment weeks of flooding torture as seed continuously fills me swelling my hide to the brink and he says to her, I'm in pain. He hisses at her. So much pain for you. I'm like, holy crap. And <laughs> it's the first time she sees his tongue and that it has a fork in it. And it's vibrating with every S sound with an S word. But she can tell he's intelligent, has un uncanny knowledge of their culture, which surprises her. So she's staring at him while he exposes himself to her. And then she describes what she sees. Are you ready? Dark red scales glistening in the moonlight, gleaming across his frame. Large arms, abs, and sharp muscles make up the strange, angry male before me. I've barely taken his strangeness or otherworldly beauty before his dick. Because of the dick, that's a different color than the rest of him. It's dark and bulky, and larger than any human male I have ever seen. This is the part that really freaked me out, but only truly engorged in the center. A man has never presented his dick to me before. He's physically alluring, and his smell is intoxicating. He stares at her, and he starts touching himself, and he's going so much pain. Yeah, he makes a point of rolling his S's, she says, and the hiss rumbles through the air and tickles my ears. Yeah, and he's saying her name. He just keeps saying her name, and he's thrusting into his hand. Mm -hmm. And she says, he looks at me like he really is in pain, and that the only thing in the world that would relieve him is me. He He's showing her what he intends to do to her by just yelling, shouting her name, Gemma, one final time, and his tail slams on the ground. And then it wraps around her ankle, and he drags her out of the shelter and towards his pumping hips, pushing his hips between her legs, spreading them, pressing my hands to his... I press my hands to his chest. His cock slaps against my stomach. Do you see what you do to me, what I need from you, Gemma? It's... <laughs> It's kind of hot, but then it also was like, uh, it kind of freaked me out a little bit because he, when he like grabs her foot and like drags her no. out and he's like on top of her, I was like, oh man, is this going to go a little too far? Yeah. And she's like, why me? And he says, because my sweet little human, you are mine. Soon you will be licking me like I, how I like to lick you. Yeah, but then she says, uh, he uh, like pushes it back into his little pocket and um then he just tells her to go to sleep because <laughs> yeah. tomorrow they're going to his den yeah because he says <laughs> after all that yeah he says now that you know what you're in for i suggest you get some sleep tomorrow we will reach my den and you will become mine sleep is of the essence and i'm like holy crap <laughs> uh, yeah who could sleep after that yeah i certainly me. couldn't so of course the next morning they leave the shelter and they, they haven't, they don't, they're not speaking to each other and he starts carrying her and she keeps holding him off and it's just making him more and more furious. Oh, and this part I thought was really interesting. So she starts talking about dating 
in the human world. Uh, men don't jack off in front of her. That's not part of it. And then she thinks perhaps it should be because apparently in the future, contracts are drawn up between people um, that are going to have sex to ensure that both parties enter in the uh, physical relationship willingly. And there's actually a relationship officer who oversees the contract and makes sure that both parties are in agreement and that this is what they want. I guess because they're all on spaceships in such confined space. Maybe. So yeah, they have these like written contracts. They, it, it sounds like a lot of work. It's like way more work than Tinder. He tells her they're finally at the net at his nest, but she only sees trees. And she's I love this. She's all, please don't tell me you live in a tree house. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> so he pulls the branches aside and they, she there's some kind of field there, and he gestures for her to walk through. And he tells her that it used to be an airfield for planes. Um, and she corrects him. She woman explains him and says, You mean ships. And he shakes his head. He goes, no, planes. It was built for planes. And she asks, yeah. how can he be so sure? And I love this part. He says, oh, the robots have told me. It's funny because he almost knows more about human history than she does. A absolutely, he does. Because, yeah, she's like, planes? No, you mean a, a landing port for ships. She's like, I don't know what planes are. And then he says the thing about the robots. Yeah, and she starts freaking out. She goes, robots? What robots? And he says, well, the ones that are still living here and maintaining Earth. And then officially now her mind is completely blown. Absolutely. She doesn't understand how the robots are still there and how they're working. And he says, oh, yeah, they're still here. They never left like the humans did. And she freaks out and says they didn't. They didn't leave. They were killed off. And then she asked him, were you still... Because she doesn't know anything about him or how old he is or anything. She asked him, were you alive when the lurkers killed everyone? And he tells her, no, he came afterwards. Uh, and that there are still certain sections of the earth that have absolutely no life. I don't think we ever find out his exact age. No. But he does say that, or we find out that the females all left a little over 100 years ago. And he was a he was alive then he remembers when his the females left so he's got to be over 100 years old i don't know which the not i guess they just live a really long time because he remembers when i don't remember if he says he was a little kid but he remembers when the females left yeah so this next part really freaked me out so he opens you know he finds this doorway and he yanks it open and it's some kind of metal hatch in the ground and there are stairs leading down in the hole. And she looks at him and goes, I'm not going in there. And he goes, yes, you are. And she's like, the hell I'm not. And he's all, my den is safe. And we're going in there. And she, he just picks her up and carries her into the, the darkness. And she is freaking out because they're going underground. She says she doesn't like being trapped. And then he says, then don't think of this as being trapped. Think of this place as a shield. This part didn't really make sense to me because I'm like, you're used to being on a spaceship. But, but there's I, still windows in it. There's space. windows and stuff. Yeah. So she says she can like see out into outer space, I guess. But because this underground bunker thing has no windows, she's not a fan. Right. I wouldn't be either. And she's like, can't you take me someplace else? And he's like, no. And he's all, don't you, you find all of this disagreeable? And she says, well, I would rather take my chances above ground. And then he yells out, orb initiates. And she, her eyes 
follow what he's looking at. And it's a round ball that's drifting in the air and the lights come on. And she's freaking out that there are these orb things are still working. He's got all sorts of technology that she doesn't expect mm -hmm. him to. So I just want to point out this one thing I highlighted. Are you all right? <laughs> what happened? What happened? So uh, because I have all of this crap going on and all of this stuff from the one room yeah. is in the office. Mm -hmm. So I'm like cramped in literally this one meter by one meter space. <laughs> Sorry. But, so of course the dogs have to be in here with me because God forbid this effing dog oh. is not in the room with me. He loves you. So he was sleeping and he like stood up and started shaking his head and he knocked something over. So something just fell. And so that's what that crashing noise was. Well, thank God it's not you. Okay. So <laughs> what I wanted to point out was at some point she says he stalks towards me and I'm back against another wall. And I made a note. I'm all stalk. More like slither. Oh, <laughs> gross. Yeah. So I had a, whole, a hard time through this whole book vacillating between the sexiness of this alien and the fact that he's a creepy snake. And she says something really telling in here. She says she still wishes that her parents were living on the same ship as her and wonders why it was so easy for them to give her away. And apparently they gave her away and went on to have other children, which they also gave away to be trained to be in this army. I think she stopped living with her parents when she was like um, 12 or 13. Right. There's a large pack of pigs, which you, pigs in this book, they're terrifying. You'll find out later. Um, he also tells her that there's bears to the west, a herd of deers, and to the south, there's two snakes. And she's all, I, I want to see what these predators looks like. And so she he shows her, he says, show her the predators and... She starts seeing this thing that's coiled around a branch and it's starting to move and it's covered in these black and gray scales and it's it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and it reminds her of Varusha's tail and it's the death adder, he tells her. And she says the male in the video scares her to her bones. He isn't beautiful like Varusha. He wears garish white trinkets around his waist that... She's thinking, are those bones? And there's a scar trailing down one of his eyes into his mouth. And chunks of his flesh are missing. He tells her the guy's name, which I can't pronounce. And uh, Varisha tells her he's going to be laying traps and waiting for us to come out. Um, he, he doesn't hunt. And his, he's gifted with exceedingly powerful venom. And he thinks of him as a rabid male, but he's sure that he's going to fight with him again because he has fought with him on occasion. So he says uh, death adders are rapists of his kind and technology. And the reason why there are no more females, he is a menace, a blight. So he is the biggest of the bad. Yeah. And she asks him, where, where are your females? And he just says gone. And she's all dead. And he shakes his head and he says no. But then she asks to see other the other snake and it, they the orb tells her the other snake isn't in range. So they stop talking about what happened to the females. Yeah, then she wants to know more about the lurker tech because that's one of the things on her checklist. <laughs>
Yeah, and as she's looking around his den, there's pieces of crap everywhere. There's orbs, there's parts of a bike. He keeps finding these things and bringing them back to his den. The den is basically packed full of stuff. He's a hoarder. He's a hoarder, exactly. Mm -hmm. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. He's very protective of his den because not only is it where he wants to put his female eventually, but it's kind of houses all his secrets. and right. It's almost like he makes me think of a dragon where like dragons are supposed to be like hoarding their jewels in their area. Yeah. He he's like that where he's hoarding all of these things that he can use as an advantage against the other Nagas or just in general. He likes to collect all these little things. Yeah. And it's funny. The more the better. You you mentioned a dragon because sure. Mate with a dragon. Absolutely. I wouldn't think twice of it. But a snake. I'm like, no, I couldn't do this. Well, at least dragon has legs. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so he picks her up and he carries her over to a pile of pelts and he encourages her to go to sleep. But he's still mad because she's continuing to deny their relationship. And he, he knows that she's cunning. And he knows he's going to have to keep an eye on her. She really wants to see the tech. He doesn't really trust her. But he, you know, so he works out this thing with her where he will show her the tech that he has, the lurker tech, in exchange for seeing her naked. And I, <laughs> my, my note says, seems like a fair deal to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, girl, what are you thinking? She has nothing to offer him. Right, exactly. So what else would she trade? I mean, she's not willing to sleep with him. And they come to this... I think she says something like um, looking, but, you know, really no touching or. Yeah. And she also you know. thinks I hate him, but I'm get, she's starting to trust him and mm-hmm. he hasn't used his strength to rape her or anything. And she thinks that's saying something. And that scent is pretty powerful. He's got that like calming scent. She agrees. <laughs> yeah. And so, so it this- begins. So this part was kind of funny to me because she takes off her clothes and she's really like timid about it. And as soon as she finally takes her clothes off, she says, I'm not young. I whisper, unsure why. Not the type of woman most men want anymore. I hurriedly add, I'm not old either. And we find out she's 33 standardized years, whatever that means. They have some weird calendar system, apparently. She thinks, you know, women my age had already had children, raised a family. Right. But she chose a career in a higher caste instead. Um, She says, my body isn't perfect and sweet like it once was. But (laughs) this whole part made me laugh because I'm like, she's bringing her human female body issues to this alien Naga male he doesn't care about any of this stuff. It's just typical yeah. female behavior where we care about this kind of stuff, but he doesn't care at all. Yeah. Well, no one's ever going to see me naked again with the lights on. So I can understand her concern, <laughs> but I'm like, he's not even human and she's projecting all of her body issues onto it. Well, and she's... I know it's stupid. <laughs> yeah. It, she says, you know, she's, um, hyper aware of the difference in power between us or because I hate him that I'm angry all of a sudden. It's definitely not. Oh, so she starts to freak out. And so to hide herself from him looking at her, she like, um, she goes and like hugs him. But so now their bodies are touching. I don't remember which, that part. 
Yeah, so their bodies are touching, and she thinks that's even a little bit better than him looking at her. Well, he, he she, says to her while he's looking at her, well, a couple of things. One, he says, I want to make sure that you're not hurt. I promise I won't touch you. And when he's looking at her, you know, she's watching him, and he calls her. He, he says, you are, and that's when she gets, he trails off in his thought. And that's where she gets mad, because she thinks he's going to say something mean to her. And he says, fantastical. And yeah, she's all, what? Fantastical. (laughs) Fantastical people are, yeah, she's like, they're like magic. They're beautiful. And she hints that she, fantastical people, they get to draw and paint all day. They get to read and write their own novels. You know, she's thinking, that's not me. I, I've i never been a fantastical person. And she thinks, I don't want to be here where he can see me vulnerable. And he says to her, you are a dream. And maybe that's why he she hugs him. She was hugging him before that. Oh, okay. She hugged him because she started crying and she didn't want him to see her tears. Oh, right. Vulnerable. He could see her naked, but yeah. God forbid he see her tears. She's Don't already see my emotions. She's already cried a million times in front of him, as I would too. I would never have stopped crying that I'm in the arms of a snake man. Yeah, then we switch to his point of view and it, we get some really sweet internal thoughts about um not about we get sweet internal thoughts from him do we because you know i i get where you know he he finally says to her you're you're playing games with me i think his thoughts are really sweet but when he goes to like express himself to her he's not as sweet as his thoughts are because he's When he's holding her, he says, I wrap my arms around her small trembling frame. He thinks, I will treasure you. I will shield you. And he says, the only way I can keep her is if I protect her with everything I have. I vow it too. I will die for her. After spending so many countless moments alone, this is worth dying for. I will never be alone again. And at some point he says to her, you can hide here with me. No one can find you here. And if they do, I will kill them. You have nothing to fear. She she ends up asking him, have you ever been with a woman? And he says, all the women are gone. And he, she says, why? Where did they go? And he reiterates that they died during birth. The rest fled to other lands, never returning. And she has her legs clamped together. So now he's asking more of her. And he says, open your legs. She doesn't want to because she feels dirty. She wants to, she feels like she's stinky and dirty. And she's trying to put him off as much as possible. So he ends up, she does end up spreading her legs for him. Um, She says, can I close them now? And he's like, "Uh, no, I want more. And she, he's, (laughs) he says to her, I demand to see it. And she's like, no, I can't do that. And he's like, uh, yeah, you can, and you will. <laughs> Let me see what I have won. Right, yeah. He he wants <laughs> to see everything he has. And when he's looking at her, he his member gets engorged again, and it's swollen with spill, as they call it, and dripping. And he closes his eyes and groans, and she slams her legs back together. This whole thing escalates very quickly because she went from like, I'll let you look Mm -hmm. in exchange for me seeing this technology you have to now she's like fully naked. Yeah. He ends up eating her out. And then he 
almost starts to like have sex with her and oh god this is she horrible. she freaks out and she like said or she remembers daisy and she freaks out and she says like i need a bath i can't do this he says, uh, he starts to like have sex with her. And well, she, he realizes like, she is way, way too small to take him in this knot that he has, which is terrifying. And he needs to stretch her out. Well, she says, I'm not ready. And he says, have I not prepared you? Do you need my tail to stretch yeah. you? Sweet little human, I will work your sheath. Ugh, I hate that term until you take me comfortably. Yeah, he's all we will fit. <laughs> so he's like, he's like, yeah, it's gonna be a tight fit, but it's gonna work, you know. <laughs> She's all wait. And he agrees to let her have a bath, but only in exchange for her taking his spill tonight. Ugh, yeah, so gross. Yeah. So yeah, he takes her. She agrees, fine, because she's thinking at least she's getting out of this tunnel. Maybe she can run away. There goes that thing, hope again. Thought he thinks to himself, "I thought I knew about uh, females, but I guess human females are different. Um, perhaps every woman is different." He wants to carry her so he she doesn't stumble in the dark because it's nighttime. And he thinks to himself, he tells her there's a creek nearby and he thinks to himself, she needs a master, a male to nest her, to care for her. If I'm too big for her now, how will she forgive me? I do not want to hurt her. And I'm like, oh yeah, my tail tip will do the trick. He takes her to the uh, little creek nearby because he cannot take her to the big lake because one of the Nagas lives in the lake and rules the lake. Yeah. One of the one of the snakes is a water snake. It was very different. I've obviously never read a snake book before. Oh, I haven't either. <laughs> oh my god. No, I have not. It was a little like, okay, this is different, but this is a little hot too. A little freaky. But yeah, he like bathes her because God forbid she does anything for herself. Kind of like in the um A Witch for Mr. Holiday, where God forbid she even walked oh, on yeah, her right. own. Yes. He was constantly picking her up. Yeah. Rushka's kind of the same, right? Where he's like, Oh, I'll bathe you, I'll do this, I'll care for you. I don't have anything in my notes about the creek scene other than how they actually finally have sex. And it's and I was thinking it was like dubious consent at best. But then in the previous chapter I don't think it was consent. Well he says in the previous chapter you can have a bath and then you're gonna then I'm gonna like have sex with you. Well I thought he was gonna have sex with her at night in his nest. I don't know because he's thinking maybe the the water is gonna help with the lubricant, but I'm water does not help with lubricant. No, it doesn't. Yeah, if anything, this it, part didn't make sense. Yeah, to me. if anything, it makes it worse. If you don't mm -hmm. have some KY jelly, get out of the damn water. <laughs> She's never going to be able to take that knot. I'm telling you. Yeah, uh, I thought it was really weird. I had very mixed emotions. I it was it was a rape, basically. Yeah, part of me feels like it was, but then part of me doesn't feel like it was because she agreed when they before they even got to the bathing area. I guess it's. I use agree like loosely. She she doesn't disagree. And the only thing she ever says during this whole thing is his name. I guess it's like her nonverbal disagreement is her agreement. Well, may yeah, uh, maybe you're right. Okay, I didn't so, think of it that way. But you're right. She didn't. I hate to say she didn't say stop or no. But I don't think she really had a choice. But they end up having sex in the water and they, he ends up, he's so happy that he's finally had her. 
he ends up, they, he falls asleep. They both fall asleep in the water. He's got his tail curled around her. He's holding on to her. She wakes up first. If you ever read, um, like Omega verse books with alphas and Omega, he's very, this, there's, thing is like that so once he's done he's like nodded in her and he's stuck in there so if you have never read an omega verse this would be kind of weird for you but i've read a lot of those no i haven't read any of them because you know what do i know okay yeah so basically the knot is like it keeps it in there so that way nothing can come out well i know what a knot does yeah i know i know what a knot does because i think that that happens in the animal kingdom too sometimes yeah, it's a real it's thing. It's a real thing. That's scary. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> she wakes up first. He's sleeping and she suddenly hears some kind of twig snapping. And all of a sudden this massive shadow's rising out of the the foliage. And she it's that death adler. And she screams for Varusha to get up. And you know, his, he tears his cock out of her, which I just clenching oh clench my legs yes. together and not in a good way not Ugh. in a good way and he he hisses that guy's name that shall not i can't pronounce and the the other naga says to him what do we have here he's trying to get close to look at her and she's trying to reach for her clothes varusha tackles him to the water thrashing with his tail she's screaming she takes her clothes she starts screaming and he yells at her to run because i think you said it before right but the death adder was not part of the hunt so no he's this thing that's scarred up in chunks of He's the biggest, scariest thing on on that planet, I think. Uh Uh-huh. He didn't even know that the humans were there, right? Right. I think so then, like, she's really more of a novelty. But because uh, Vrushka's, like, possessive of her, because not only is she his prize, but she's also, like, naked. And so he really freaks out that the Death Adder is nearby because he's just a horrible, horrible person. So Gemma ends up running off. Oh, my God. And leaving the two of them in the creek to fight it out. Yeah, because he thinks to himself, well, I'll, I'll find her afterwards and she ends up returning to that car they were in the shelter they were in and she stays there for days because she's easy prey to the predators that are around her which is really scary and she's now she's praying that uh varisha's gonna find her she doesn't even have her boots she decides to like leave that little shelter thing yeah she wants to go back and find him and she's thinking he can't be dead i need to go back and find him um, she doesn't know how she's going to do it, but she has to try. So she starts retracing the path back from that shelter she was in. And she hears this crackle and she looks up and it's an orb. And she says, orb initiate. And so it starts to come to life and she hears another noise. And this time it's those freaking pigs. It's like, well, pigs aren't scary. Why is he saying like pigs oh, are predators? God. But then I think she finally sees one it, like person to person. And it's like, oh yeah, these things are terrifying. They're like way bigger than normal pigs. Yeah. Like, nothing on this planet is normal, right? The men aren't normal. The snakes aren't normal. Why would the pigs be normal? <laughs> so the pigs are the biggest of the bad of the like, non-snake um yeah they hunt predator things (laughs) even real pigs are scary i mean if you want to dispose of a human body you throw it in a pig pen because they'll eat everything and there will be no trace of this person left yeah they eat everything even each other and they (sighs) like zombies where 
if they get a scent of blood, they get like crazy. Yeah. It, it's really scary. And she was waiting for Verusha to come back, but he hasn't come. And she needs something to guide her back to this bunker. And that's when she uses the orb. And I think, oh, that's a great idea. The orb can help her. The next thing we know is Verusha is waking up and that death adder has him tied to something and he's sharpening a knife. He's trying to hit him with his tail, but he can't move. All he can think of is Gemma. And he's like, where's Gemma? What have you done with my female? I need to go after her. And he's like, humans are extinct and a Naga female hasn't roamed these lands in over 100 years. How is it possible that you have one after all? That's, yes, that's what the Death Adder is asking Vrushka. Yeah, and he's trying to like interrogate him for information while he's tied up to a tree. Yeah, he's like, where'd she come from? And of course he's not going to answer him. And so he goes and grabs Vrushka's spear and he stabs it down in his tail. Oh, yeah. yeah. He does it more than once. Yeah. It was so bad. He lifts the spear and stabs his tail again. Tell me he rumbles. And Verusha's screaming, release me. And then he stabs and twists. And oh, the tip hits so his bad. tail spine. And oh, my God. The, I can feel it. He's all sweat. Yes. pulls down my face. Agony radiates. I don't want to hurt you anymore. Yeah, he tortures him. Oh, yeah. It's so bad. Yeah. So disturbing. And so like, it's so well done, though, because you do feel like every time he's getting stabbed with his own spear, like you could feel it in your non-existent tail. <laughs> yeah, but then he says something to him. You know, this is another thing. What you did was unforgivable. Mating a female kills them. They do not survive gestation. Only a wretch would satisfy his craving, knowing the outcome. So... This death adder is lecturing him about why are you mating a female when you know they die? Which is pretty funny because didn't Vrushka say before that the death adder, or maybe he's just saying death adders in general. This would, there's something up with this death adder. Th yeah, it doesn't really, it's kind of contradictory to what Vrushka had said about him earlier, right? Because Vrushka was like, he's a bad person. He rapes females or he used to when the females were around. But then when Vrushka's tied up, the Death Adder is lecturing him about mating this female. Yeah, and he says to him, humans aren't Nagas. And uh, the Death Adder says, have you mated a human female before? And then Vrushka says, I know what your father did. Raping female Nagases for his pleasure. And the guy says to him, I'm nothing like him. Okay, that's what it is. Yeah, so Vrushka was just saying death adders in general, or like his dad. So he's like, I'm not, I'm not my dad. I wouldn't do that. Yeah, so he's screaming at Vrushka, you're not my dad. And he ends up spitting venom in the death adder's eye. And he it takes the blood from his tail and winds it around where his hands are bound so that his hands get slippery and he can slip out of his binds. He frees himself and he grabs a spear and he's like, I should kill you. And the death adder says to him, do it. And he says he stabs him in the gut and twists mm -hmm. um, and takes it out. And he drops his, uh, you know, he slumps over and he just starts screaming for Gemma. Yeah. So once he's free, he doesn't care that much about yeah. 
the Death Adder. He goes off and he tracks Gemma. He has to fight through like this horde of pigs nonstop. I think it says all night long. Yeah. <laughs> it's and just, he's, there's pigs everywhere. He's saying how the blood's <laughs> gashing, uh, gushing from his wound and it's making him sluggish. And he leads all these pigs off and he starts killing them one by one. Because the pigs smell his blood and that's why they go to him. It's so horrible, but you could totally visualize it. Like he's trying to get to Gemma, but he's like, all these stupid pigs keep showing up. So he just has to keep killing them left and right. And eventually he sees like a, a drone or something flying yeah. off and he decides to follow it. Yeah, he says he, he catches sight of something before it vanishes in the woods. I know what it is. It's a drone. Someone initiated a drone and he thinks of Gemma. Now we switch back to her and she's asking the orb what's nearby because she's still trying to run. And do you know where Varusha's bunk is? Is there anything there that can help me out with this situation? And then she just, because she's surrounded by these pigs, she's gotten up on a ledge and they're trying to, they're even smart enough to get on each other's backs. Yeah, that's what makes me think of them as like zombie-like. Yeah, scary. Because they're like, yeah, it's creepy. It's very creepy. And so she finally just blurts out, Orb, help me. Please help me. And the Orb responds to her that says he's going to send her help. It, help will be arriving shortly. And all of a sudden she hears gunfire. So this relay technology system they have, by her telling the Orb she needs help, the Orb was able to relay to something with guns, the drones with guns, to fly over and start shooting at these pigs she hears his voice screaming female i love that i love when they yell out female or human i don't know why i just think it's hot um yeah it's not it's not uh it's not even her name but it works right and she you know he grabs her and he, his smell envelops her and she's sobbing she's like i thought you were dead and he says to her as long as you're alive, female, I am alive. This whole chapter was really sweet. Yeah, because it was. He's tending to her wounds and she feels like a burden. Right. And if you're a burden on the spaceship, you lose your job. Mm -hmm. You lose everything if you lose your job. And on the spaceship, she doesn't even have family because she's on a different spaceship from her family. So nobody takes care of anybody. You just kind of like go to the medical ward and they they would take care of you. You don't have family. So she's not really used to this. Right. And then we learn about him or we get more background about him, about how lonely he was and how they never know companionship. And he doesn't want to live without life anymore and how he doesn't want to be alone. And oh, it was so sweet. It was really sweet. And she thinks that he's an enigma and she's finally starting to see him as a man for the first time rather than being an alien. And she wants to know him, like really know him. Um, and he's bandaging all of her wounds so she doesn't get effect infections. And she says, well, what about you? You're already hurt. And you're really hurt because he got stabbed in the tail. And he's, I know. I know. And he's, poor guy. I know. And he says, I will heal quickly. They do have this special healing regeneration thing that they can do. So he doesn't care about himself, but she's starting to care about him. It's really, now that I know I have you, I wonder how my father lived so long after my mother died. And it is, it's really sweet. Yeah, he is really sweet. So I highlighted this other part where he says, life, sweet mate, there is no, there's no life without you. Not on this world or any other. I am certain. What's the point if there's no life? You are my life. Mm. And then she, she's kind of flabbergasted. At some point she says something like, why me? Why me? Yeah. 
And he goes, why you, Gemma? Because you stole my breath. You stole my life when you turned and found me in the forest. Aw, swoon. I know. This little snake makes me swoon. So, yeah, <laughs> maybe a snake and a knot isn't so bad after all. I don't know. <laughs> and he tells her, you glow in the sunlight, little female. I have never rested my eyes upon anything so sweet. Oh. He fears that she's going to leave him. She explains to him why she chose the other Naga over him when she was given the choice. And she says that if she could change her choice, like knowing what she knows now, she would change her choice. But she chose that other guy because she felt like he was easily manipulated and how she just wanted to like get the stuff and leave. Yeah. And there seems to be a shift in their relationship at this point. As she's slowly healing, they start cleaning up his nest. Uh, and she does say he likes to collect things. She starts to feel a little more safe and cared for. He starts to show her a little bit more of the tech between what she knows and what he knows. They, kind of come up with a few theories of how the Naga came to be. It seems like he never really questioned how he came to be uh, as like Nagas in general, but with her here, he's kind of exploring his history some more. Right. Yeah. I think that's a question that is not answered, right? No, but it seems like it's also a question that he never thought of right. himself, mm -hmm. but now he's kind of questioning things and like his spear or the technology uh, she tries to explain the issues that the humans are having with the Kets, mm -hmm. but he doesn't really care about that. He's like, well, that doesn't matter because the Kets aren't here. I'm here. He's really focused on like the here and now and not the bigger picture. <laughs> He's just like, I don't care about the cats. I have my mate. That's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. So in the midst of cleaning up his den, they she ends up finding a passageway and he takes her into this room where there's a bunch of screens that there's a documentation of history on the earth prior to what happened, the destroying of the earth. And she's like, have you watched them? And he says, oh yeah, many times. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's uh, over a hundred years old. So yeah, he's yeah. seen all this stuff. <laughs> so he ends up letting her watch some of the history video things, but I'm not really sure how this happens, but at some point the, the history videos end up turning into a live feed on the camera system yeah i don't understand that part either but you know after watching this video of how the world's destroyed she tells him i have to go back and he says i'm not going to let you leave and she's like but my people need this information and the technology oh yeah she asks him something like how is this tech still here because the lurkers destroyed everything and he says the lurkers didn't destroy the tech when they destroyed the Earth, mm -hmm. they just destroyed the life surrounding the tech. Right. So whatever they did, they it's not really clear, but whatever they did killed the humans and messed up the earth, but it didn't mess up any of the technology that was there. So that's how he has all this technology still. Yeah. So then the live feed happens and she's able to see the compound where her friends where the ship is, and there's men and robots that are rushing all over the place. They're going towards the forest. Um, and she sees Peter and Collins and Shelby um, and they're screaming at something, but you can't make out what it is. And there's a skiff that's off in the distance and it's trying to clear the forest, but she can tell by looking at it, they're not going to make it. 
And then she sees blonde hair in the skiff and realizes it's Daisy. He's like, who's Daisy? Because he didn't even see this other woman when he saw his mate. He only saw her. He's like, I, I don't know who that is. She's like, oh, that's the other woman that was with me when you were hunting us. He's like, oh, I didn't pay attention to her. So she's so desperate to get to Daisy that she finally makes a deal with him and says, if you help me save her, I will stay with you. And he says to her, well, you never had a choice to go back. It was never your choice, which is kind of funny. Um, and then she says, please do this for me as your mate. Finally, like, acknowledges being his mate, but she's using it as a manipulation tactic. And he sees it as manipulation. She promises to stay. He says, well, you didn't have a choice. But then she says, um, if you don't do this for me, I'll stay, but I'll be a colossal pain in your ass the whole time I'm here. She's like, let's make it easier on both of us and you help me. But he only agrees to help with the Daisy situation after he hate fucks her twice. Oh my God. Yeah. It says <laughs> he brutally, brutally, I rut her. It rage that she mm -hmm. seek to manipulate me. So he's punishing her. He said, yeah, you'll stay with me and you will obey me. You will never run again. You will not ask about the Lucre technology again or about the humans in the facility. You will never return there. He's like, just lets her have it in more ways than one. You're never going to leave this planet. Every mm -hmm. night you would be waiting for me in your nest open just as you are right now. <laughs> you will forget all else. But she agrees. Yeah, she, she so. starts to whisper his name and he says, I'm not done. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> My li his list of demands is about as long as her thousand yeah. piece checklist was when she first. <laughs> yeah, her thoughts of hope. He's crazy. He's yeah. like, we'll go after your friend, but she's not going to stay here. This den is mine and only mine. Uh, we can help your friend, but I don't know what you think you're going to do with her because she's not living with us. Like, he does not play well with others. <laughs> yeah, and she actually says, thank you. And he, he thinks, I rut her again harder this time. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> calm down. She really, she really has to earn this. Oh uh, my god, trip to save Daisy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So eventually, he stops doing that to her, and they do go to search for Daisy. He ends up packing two days <laughs> of rations. Two days of rations because he agrees to look for Daisy, but not that much. Yeah, so he only brings enough rations for two days yeah for like, two days okay great yeah so they <laughs> end up finding a building to hide in maybe this is what you were thinking of and mm. he sets her under this slab of cement and then he fills up the entrance trapping her within it and he's she's like why are you trapping me in here and he she says you know what night's here you need to eat and drink he's obviously unhappy with her but it bothers her a lot and she feels like she's let him down i don't remember the specifics i just remember that while they're traveling to find daisy they're kind of fighting with each other mm -hmm. because they're both unhappy but they're not really unhappy with each other they're just unhappy with the situation i guess and they're afraid that they let each other down almost yeah he's still mad at her because she's only staying with him because of daisy the agreement to find daisy because she didn't choose to stay because of him again. She only chose because of Daisy. So this is the second time that he hasn't chosen her. She, which I think we find she out eventually. He hasn't chosen him. Yeah. So he's so pissed. He tells her, get some sleep. He grabs a spear. He's getting ready to leave. And she yells out, wait, why are you upset? What's wrong? She tells him, I'm sorry, but 
I can't live with myself if Daisy's alive and she's out there alone. I need to help her. And she's like, why are, and he says to her angry, why do you, you think I'm angry? I'm furious. And she's like, why? And he says, because you didn't choose me again. Mm -hmm. First you chose this other snake. Then you choose your human Daisy. And you even chose the technology over over me. You've never chosen me. He tells her to go to sleep. It's sad because like he always would choose her first. And she, at this point, hasn't ever chosen him first. Yeah. So I could understand why he's so Well, yeah, off. absolutely. And she realizes he's right. And then she thinks, this is so sad. Now he thinks I'm truly not fantastical after all. Oh, yeah. Oh. Now now she thinks that he's not going to be so obsessed or, like, besotted with her. And he's going to finally realize that she's not worth it. Because she's never really felt worth it this whole time yeah so she wakes up in the morning and he's perched on top of the ruins of the building watching her and he's telling he tells her to eat and she wants to talk to him she's like she starts to say last night and he goes we'll just talk later mm -hmm. he just kind of shuts her down it's kind of sad yeah she kind of realizes the error of her ways but he's not giving her a chance to her repair attempt is not being accepted, as my uh, marriage counselor would say. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious. Oh my god, thanks for sharing that. <laughs> yeah, so she's saying, he doesn't speak to her, so she doesn't speak either, and she realizes because he, he intimidates her, her, and every time she tries to speak, it's she feels like her throat is constricted my next note is when they meet up with the next naga so i don't remember exactly what happens between yeah them fighting and them finally finding more people yeah well he snake people yeah they're still walking i guess and he turns around suddenly and grabs her and tucks her close to his chest and she's like did you hear something and he tells her another naga and what do we do if they if they find mm. out that i'm here and he says i'm gonna kill them and you run and then they hear names screaming for Daisy. They hear voices calling for Daisy. And it's that uh, the King Cobra. So I guess Z Zuka? Zaku, Zaku, I think. Z-A-K-U. Okay, so Zaku is yelling for Daisy's name. So apparently he's the one that caught her. Well, and they, they found... Um, first, they found Azote... A-S-Z-O-T-E. They run into a different Naga first. And he... Yeah, he doesn't really He doesn't want to get involved. <laughs> well, he he was looking for Zaku. No, that A-Z-Azota is looking for uh -huh. Naku to tell him that he found Daisy. Yes. Yeah. And, of course, Gemma wants to know, is she okay? And he tells her she's hurt. She's burned up. And she's like, oh, my God. And he he also tells her she's not asking for you, female. She's asking for Zaku. Which I thought was really telling. That yeah. Je Gemma's going out of her way to try to find Daisy. And when they finally kind of get some info on Daisy, it's like Daisy doesn't even care about Gemma. <laughs> she's, she's trying to find that one snake. So the... Azote is trying to find Zaku because he'll take her to Daisy. Yes. Because he knows where Daisy yeah, is. Yeah. So that all three of them now are running through the forest looking for her for the King Cobra and they find him. Uh he yells to her, I know where she is. 
And he bursts into the clearing and screams, take her to me. So they all end up finding Daisy and they take, I think Zaku scoops Daisy up and goes back to his den. Oh, wait, we, we forgot this part. And I thought this was, I don't know why Verusha doesn't forgive Gemma when she says this. When they see that other snake, he's eyeing her. And the way that, you know, Verusha thinks he's looking at my female, he's going to take her away from me. He sets Gemma down because he's going to fight this guy. And she yells at him. She says, you can't have me. I'm already taken. And the copper, he's a copperhead. And he says to her, oh, you're a feisty one. And she says, and I'm Verusha. So don't even try it. If he doesn't kill you, I will move now. My friend is hurt and needs me. And she, mm-hmm. and he starts to kind of smile and she says, move. And he just looks at Verusha and says, you're, you are lucky. And he moves out of their way. I know. I feel bad for Azote throughout this whole yeah. book because he really want. he was the one from earlier in the book when Vrushka, they were doing that, um, let Gemma yeah, pick, right? right he yes, was the he one was the that one. she originally had picked. Yeah. So I feel bad for him throughout this whole book because he didn't get her. Uh, Daisy's obviously with the other guy. So he's just kind of asked out. <laughs> yeah. So all of a sudden, Zaku comes out of the forest and he's got something in his arms and it's freaking Daisy, who's a hot mess, literally and figuratively. Oh, and earlier, Varusha had told her about a medical pod because she knows that's the only way to save Daisy. Zuka says, I have a pod in my den, but it's far from here. And she screams every time I try to move her and they're destroying me to hear her. And Gemma says, oh, we need to get her there. It doesn't matter. We need to move her now while she's unconscious. And he says to her, I can't help you. Because he can't handle seeing Daisy in so much pain. They make it back to his den. And I think a couple days pass yeah. with her in that medical pod, right? Yeah, she's finally not screaming. Because the pod uh-huh. can knock her out and give her pain meds. And yeah, Zaruk never leaves her side. But there's And there's robots there. So the robots are taking care of Daisy and they're feeding her. But all Verusha wants now is he wants to go home. He's not comfortable being in Zuka's den or his area. Um, and his his tail tip is curled around her ankle. I know. Yeah. He's like got his tail around her the whole time. But she refuses to leave because she hasn't talked to Daisy yet. So they don't leave until after she speaks to Daisy. Yeah, and she's blown away by zuka's house it's above ground it's beautiful there's windows there are beds there's sheets there's clothes in every size so there's shoes there's even underwear he lives like the king that he is yeah (laughs) there's dozens of these robots working at his house as well and they manage his house and she's kind of jealous that he has grass and animals outside the windows so Daisy eventually finally um, wakes up enough for Gemma to talk to mm-hmm. her. And so Gemma has this conversation with her and um, Daisy says, he caught me. And Gemma says, do you want to stay caught? Daisy says, he calls me his queen, which I thought was kind of sweet. And then da- uh, Gemma says, that's not what I'm asking. Yeah. Do you, and- you want to stay with him? Yeah, and she says, do you like him, his smell? 
and I think she must say yes or something. And but then eventually she finds out that Ugh. Gemma says the crash wasn't your fault. And Daisy says, I was shot down. So that's a mystery for another time. No. Who shot her down? We don't know. Yeah, she says the dreadnoughts shot her down. Okay, I just highlighted her saying, I was shot down. Yeah, and she says, she tells Gemma she's trying to get to them to tell them what was happening down here. And they already know. So they finally can leave Saku's house. Yeah. But, you know, Gemma tells her, I'll be back to check on you. I'm not going to, I will see you again. Yeah, so they make it back to Vrushka's den. They finally have the talk. They kind of talk it out. And she apologizes for um, not picking him or what's been going on. And she promises to stay. And she finally says, I love you. It's really sweet. Yeah. He says at some point, he says, I need you to choose me every day. And she says, every day I will choose you. Yeah. It's really sweet. I I know. I love that part. Um, And then she thinks there's something wrong with this new earth and I'm going to figure out what it is. So now she has a new uh, plan for what she wants to do with herself. And she says, while I do, I'll be with Vrushka. Right. It's sweet. It it is sweet. And then he talks a little bit again about his father, about his father leaving to go find his sisters. They do go to the West. It it really hurt Verusha to to lose his father because his father trained him, raised him, gave him that spear. Uh, Verusha is so sensitive to not being chosen by Gemma because he feels like he was not chosen by his father. Yeah, families, they certainly can fuck you up, can't they? (laughs) We all have baggage. <laughs> so then they finally travel to some like secret location to finally see that technology oh, that he promised boy. her a long time ago. Yeah. But then the the whole chapter ends without us actually seeing it. No, they do go in there. They see it. She sees this is the creepy. She sees it, but we don't see it. Well, she they kind of say what's in there. That, that there's uh, pods in there that are glowing. That whatever there's lots of weaponry. Yeah, but I think that's, was that this chapter or that was before? Maybe it is this chapter and I just misread it. Yeah. Because I remember there was those weird pods in there. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, is this how the Naga men came to be because of these weird pods? Yeah, we don't know what happened. So they end up leaving. She wants to leave. She gets a bad vibe about this place. And after he shows it to her, they close. So the doorway's hidden. And not only do they close the door, but she adds, she has him add extra rocks in front of the door to hide it. And she realizes that the technology is dangerous. She makes it like her personal mission. She says it's her job to make sure the information is protected, cataloged, and saved. So if humans do return to Earth, they'll know what's at stake, what we've lost, and that we still have so much left to lose. I've only just gained a little of it back myself. Yeah, and then we get to what I think is, I love this part of the book. It was my favorite part of the book. It's the epilogue. Oh, really? Okay. And it's two weeks later. She wakes up in the morning and she rolls over and she says, I choose you today, Verusha. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he says, I make her take my love daily with vigorous running and my ending yes. need to spill my soul inside her. 
Yeah, she, he still has to coax her body to accept him. But now pumping my tail tip in and out, she grips me, quivering around it. I'm like, oh, dear God. <laughs> yeah, but then he ends up, you know, fucking her. She kept her promise. She stayed. She's a well-loved mess by the time I rise off of her. Two weeks have passed since the end of the last chapter. And it's basically just like they do it a lot. They clean up his den and they watch a bunch of the old um, movie slash documentary things. While they're watching a movie, they get something over the car oh. slash uh, orb things. Mm -hmm. And this is how the book ends. You want to say what's happening on the comms? Uh, or do you want me to say what it ahead. is? So on the comms, while they're watching a movie, um, somebody's radioing them. And it turns out it's Shelby, yeah. who was the pregnant mm -hmm. one, who was not part of the uh, hunt. And she kind of does this ominous, like, I'm trapped with him. Yeah, we're in trouble. And she's all Shelby? Because they, they yeah. didn't know that this thing could transmit like you said yeah she goes i'm trapped the female answers on a hitch under the facility i'm trapped with him and, and yeah she's uh, all who? Says, who and she goes there's something you need to know i found something and then it cuts off oh my god yeah and then she says varushka and he thinks i already know what she's going to ask i already know my answer i grab my spear whatever comes i'll protect my what's mine and then it just ends with the orb scanning trying to reconnect yeah so that uh, now they're off to find shelby so mm -hmm. it's pretty cool end to the book actually it was a very cool end and i think it was interesting enough to make me i'm gonna read the next book okay so that's what i wanted to say at the end because i did read the next book already <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna kill you <laughs> So the thing, it turns out that the Nagas can regenerate. No, so hey, that's hey, why. Don't tell me what's in the next book. I'm not. So, but I'm saying you were saying there was something with the death adder because how he had stabbed him in the gut or whatever. Yeah. He, so he wasn't injured enough to be like killed. Okay. Because they can do, they're, I guess they're like starfish almost. They can regenerate. Yeah. I, I know the next book is about Daisy and the King Cobra. Uh, Zaku, yeah. Zaku. So. Yeah, don't tell me anything about it, but I want to read it because I want to read it. Yeah, and then I think the third book is Shelby and Don't say uh, who. Don't say who. I don't I don't know who I didn't look oh, it up. Okay, but it's gotta yeah. be Shelby and one of the snake people. Well, she is only the third female. She's only the Yeah, I'm sure you're right. Mm -hmm. So what did you obviously you like the book if you read the second book already? I did like it. I I liked it way more than I thought I would. Me too. And I really didn't think I would like it because I was I was in that den with them underground. I was terrified when she was terrified. <laughs> I was getting rutted when she was he was running into her. <laughs> that fucking knot freaked me out. Uh, I vacillated between being terrified in this book and I know for sure I would never have survived five seconds in this world. I couldn't take it. Uh, but it was hot too. And I liked how their relationship developed. I, I agree with all of that. And I really, really liked Vrushka. I did too. And I thought he was like uh, a good mixture of like savage alien, but then also super sweet uh, cinnamon roll. Yeah. I, and see, I think I'm spoiled because like I told you, I finished the last Ruby Dixon book in the ice planet barbarian series. And I could have cried because I felt like I was saying goodbye to my family, but I'm used to, because of reading their 20 
22 or 23 books in that series that I'm used to the sweetness of the males with their females with the humans and then we switch to this guy and he really is probably what it would be like you know he's savage he doesn't know them he's controlling he's alpha male he's going to dominate her he's going to punish her for his perceived the perceived slights that he has of her not picking him mm-hmm. so i really vacillated in this book but i really freaking liked it yeah, I really liked it too. I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, and in, in addition to all of this alpha male stuff, there's the technology interest. There's what is in that cave. It brought up a lot more than just them and sex. And I like that a lot. It, it was a really good mix of their story as a couple, but then also the bigger story of what's happening in the world. Yeah. Like the world building was good, yeah. not over not overly in your face um just enough of like intrigue to keep you wanting to read the series to figure out what's happening what happened to earth what's happening now Mm -hmm. how did they get to Um, this point where did these things come from these aliens what made them what's in that cave mm -hmm. i i really liked this author this was my first book by this author but mine too yeah i liked it and um I think she did. And I, I love the dual POV because, because he is so alien and different. Mm -hmm. I feel like if you didn't get his POV, you wouldn't not have liked him nearly as much as you did. Cause all his private thoughts were so good. Yeah. And then all of his actions were so brutal, but yes, I would definitely would give this book four wet panties. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say four and a half. Well, you know me, I don't give a five. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, this is pretty. This was a pretty high ranking book for us. This was a good find. Well, thank God, a great way to start the year. Yeah, happy New Year to you, by the way, and all of our list, all of our listeners. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I live in my own fantasy world, apparently. So let yes. let me be. <laughs> great. So I think all we have left is to say what the next book is. What is the next book? Oh yeah, you picked it, so you go ahead. Yeah, so I picked the next book. The next book is Malachi by K.O. Newman. Yeah, I downloaded but I haven't read it. So I'm sure you've read it and finished it and have your notes done already because that's just how you flow. I did not. I haven't finished it, but I have started Oh, Jesus it. Christ, will you stop? <laughs> Slow your roll. <laughs> well, I'm, I was... I was actually behind on this one. So the reason we waited so long to record this one was because of me. So I'm like, it was just good timing that I had nothing else to read picked out when we settled on this book selection. Yeah. Uh, Okay. All right. Well, now I'm going to have to read, you know, I read two books at once a lot of times. So I'm going to read the next book and I just finished Ruby Dixon. So I'm probably going to, I don't know. I'm sure I'll read another Ruby Dixon dragon book because I'm obsessed with her. Yeah. I like it though. Yeah. It's good. I love it. Okay. All right. Well, all right. I'm done. All right. Me too. All right. I guess I'll talk <laughs> to you later, honey. All right. Bye. bye.